episode 18. Got my guy Daryl back in the building with me. He was on the first episode, so he's back on the podcast, and he's got a lot that he wants to get off his chest, and I got a lot that I want to get off of my chest. But before we dive into all of that, man, welcome back, dude. How's it going? Hey, thank you, thank you. Uh, one day at a time, man. You know me, slow motion. That's it, man, especially with everything that's going on right now with this pandemic. The NBA is up in the air once again. And that's kind of where I want to start at because on that first episode, that first podcast that we done, we had talked about whether or not this was a, a season for the Lakers to win a chip, especially with Golden State being injured. Kevin Durant wasn't going to be coming back. So we, we discussed whether or not we thought this was a must win for the Lakers. And then you fast forward to now, and they were in first place in the West, gaining momentum as far as team chemistry and that bond. Like, they were actually looking good when this pandemic stuff and corona and all of that hit. So everything just kind of came to a halt. And now we're kind of like, first they tease us with the season is coming back, and then, you know, quite naturally, you're going to have some players that, don't necessarily agree with what's going on right now. So now we back up in the air. So I'm going to open the floor to you. And I'm like, you personally being a Lakers fan, would that be satisfying to see them finish out the season in hopes that they win a championship or with everything going on right now? It just, it really don't bother you. As a fan of basketball and a fan of the Lakers, uh, of course, I, I want to see them out there uh, being human. I understand not being out there there's a lot going on there's a lot to worry about uh there's a lot of unknowns as well still i mean there's a lot that they know they have a plan that you know they want to put forth and everything i wouldn't blame anybody for not going and not wanting to play uh but as a fan of course i miss sports i want to see them out there i want something to kind of take my mind away from everything that's going on something to be able to look at and just get lost in a little bit. Right. Uh, but again, as a human, you know, if there's no basketball or no sports, I completely understand. Uh, there's a lot of things bigger than sports right now that's going on that, you know, deserves attention. And, you know, it's something that we really have to worry about ourselves before worrying about things like sports. I mean, and, and I, I agree there. And that's why, and like you said, it's, it's that human aspect of all of this. And it does come off as insensitive when it's, man, nah, man, they need to go back and play. That's easy to say because I'm sitting at home and right. we're telling them to go put themselves in harm's way. They're all having to travel to one location away from their families. I know they said some family members may be able to join, but I don't know all the rules and regulations to that. And for those players, they may not be comfortable with their families coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're yeah, going to be I mean, down here. Go ahead. My bad. No, nah, you good. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. We're going to be down here for some weeks, some months, and I can't ask my family to just drop everything and move to Florida, basically, because that's basically what's happening. Like, you got to move to Florida. And once you're there, you can't leave. So I, I see it both ways. But then the whole Kyrie Irving thing, is the part that rubs me the wrong way because I'm saying that the NBA has always allowed their players to be outspoken when it comes to things of, you know, social injustice, police brutality, and sending messages. You know what I'm saying? They, they've given the players that platform. So right. I don't understand why Kyrie Irving feels that stopping basketball takes a you know what i'm saying like them playing basketball takes away from that message when and, uh, go ahead I agree with you on that uh as far as Kyrie, Kyrie, he he makes it seem as if there's only one right way to do things and if it's not the way that he believes that you're kind of mistaken or you're off-putting uh i mean i understand they like said there's a lot of protests going on there's a lot of injustice there's a pandemic there's things to worry about there's things to promote there's things to push and you can be an advocate and play ball it's been done before they've done shirts they do messages they write on their shoes 
you know, there's a lot of things that the players do during games. And if all eyes are going to be on you all, because really you're going to be the only sport going right now, it's not going to be a bad thing. If you want to be out there on the front lines, if you want to be marching, if you want to be with the people, the NBA is still giving you that opportunity to go do that. They're not forcing you to come down to Florida and play. Uh, as far as I've heard, there's going to be no punishments for anybody who decides not to play. And I believe that's for whatever the reason may be, whether it's pandemic related or not, just not being comfortable being there for three or four months uh, without being able to leave. Uh, so I, I'm not understanding his gripe fully because uh, I, I don't think they're handcuffing him and keeping him from being able to be an advocate. So uh, I'm just not understanding Kyrie's position 100%. And that's like, and that that's always been his mo to me. It's like when he causes himself trying to prove a point or send a message. To me, it's enrooted in selfishness. You can go all the way back to Cleveland, bro, and it's like I at the time I understood why he may have felt, you know, what I'm saying the way that he did because it's like, all right, we just made a historic comeback down three one, but you turn on the news and everything is about. LeBron, LeBron this, LeBron that. So he felt that he played just as much of a part in that championship as LeBron. And I I will admit, without Kyrie playing at the level that he played at, they definitely don't win that championship. So yes, Kyrie Irving deserves a lot of that credit. But you go into the next season, they add Kevin Durant. And in my opinion, you could just feel the chemistry changed that following year and you could tell that he was just unhappy. So then it's like, well, I want to be traded. And if you don't trade me, then I'm going to have season ending surgery. And I'm like, really, bro? Like, that's what it comes down to. So then he goes to Boston and it's like, this is where I want to be. The The coaching culture is amazing. It's totally different from where I was coming from. Like He was sending all these subliminals at Cleveland and and Coach Lou and LeBron only to turn around and within two years throw the same coach under the bus, throw the same system under the bus and come to find out. I don't know if you uh, watch all the smoke with Steven Jackson and all of them, but when they had Kevin Durant and them on there, Kevin Durant admitted that they have been in talks of joining each other two years ago. Right. So it's like you, you knew – what you wanted to do and you forced your way out of Boston. And now that Brooklyn is not at at full strength, they're not really considered a contender right now. You don't have no desire for the NBA coming back because you know, personally, you're not going to gain anything from it. So why would you have, you know, you know, be a voice for the game returning back? And that's how I'm looking at it. And I'm like, come on, man. He's always tried to be a thorn in, in LeBron's side. And that's how I'm taking it. And I completely understand that. Like I said, I mean, you're not a contender. You really don't have a reason to want the season to come back. Are you even healthy in the first place? Like, even if they come back, are you playing or are you just chilling? Because if you're not playing, that's another reason for you really not to be there. Is I, I mean, I want to support my team, but do I really want to be stuck in Florida for however long they make us stay, even if we don't make the playoffs? just to sit around and watch everybody else play. But I do think there's a bit of, I also don't want to see this guy get one or get another one. And if I can't do nothing about it, if this is my way of keeping him from getting one, cool, whatever, let's gripe about it. And if the season doesn't continue, ha-ha, you lost your chance at another one and your legacy takes a bit of a hit because you that might be one you missed out on, that you have a really good chance of getting this year. So I completely understand that, and I, and he comes off as the type of person that would do that. Uh, well, just over the last couple of years, hearing him talk and seeing the way he handles his business, he seems like that guy. <laughs> man, it's just like, don't get me wrong, man. He's a he's a hell of a talent. He's a tremendous basketball player. But my thing is, sometimes in your mind, you're better than what you really are. And don't get me wrong, we all can fall into that category to a certain degree. But it's like, again, I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to piss on Kyrie Irving, but I just like, I'm saying that at Duke, you didn't even play a full year at Duke. 
you're fighting through injuries. The games, maybe. That's what I'm saying. It's like you get drafted, number one, you go to Cleveland. You didn't elevate them into a at least a playoff team or a, just smelling the playoff. Like they were a lottery team for the first three years he was there. And then LeBron decides to come back. So you're instantly catapulted into championship contention. And that's when Kyrie Irving made a name for himself. And then all of a sudden it's, well, I want my own team. I want to be the focus. And it's, I'm like, bro, you haven't even proven to be that guy yet. Like there's levels to this. And now you're, you're trying to be an, an advocate for this rebellion against the league coming back. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, the writing's on the wall with Kyrie, man. It just seems like if things aren't looking up for him, you know, he wants about you got to wait till KD comes back. Your your team's not going to be as good without KD. And to be honest, since he left Cleveland, the teams that he's touched have gotten worse. Those are facts. He's a great player. Boston got worse because the ball stuck. They was there. There was two teams that he went to that had the team concept where. There is no star player here. We have good players. We have players who are better. And we have probably two or three go-to guys where whoever has the best mismatch or the best situation, the hot hand, that's who we're going to go to in Boston and up in uh, Brooklyn. He goes there, and well, I'm going to get y'all involved. I'm going to get y'all involved, you know, and I'm that guy. You know, I'm going to show I can lead. The team starts running into the floor. And you hear teammates coming out, uh, one of them be here next season if, you know, some things don't change or this or that. And the whole dynamic of the team changes. The winds plummet. And it's like they don't look the same. Nobody looks as happy. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I think DeAndre Jordan being put in the starting line over, over uh, Allen was silly, personally. It was definitely uh, silly. Brooklyn, but uh, keep Kyrie and KD happy so they stay or whatever. I don't know what's behind that but uh, Kyrie is who he is we've seen I think the best of Kyrie probably already I don't think it's going to get any better than what we've seen of him and I don't think he's going to turn that corner into the guy that he believes he is and that's where we can we can definitely agree on that but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to something that you said and I'm gonna ask you your opinion you was like uh this is an opportunity that may pass LeBron by to win another championship. And with everything that's going on, uh, a few people, especially Shaq, he's saying that even if they did resume the season, that this championship would have an asterisk beside it. How can you say that when they still had to play the games? Like, do you agree with that or or is fair game? I personally don't believe that there should be an asterisk next to this season and the reason being there's been way too much of the season played out we we see who everybody is we we see what was going on or whatnot and with the plan that they have for coming back i mean they're, they're going to play it out just the same really and it's only a couple of teams being left out who weren't in playoff contention so what would be the reason for the asterisk in that situation it's one of those is it because certain teams may win or certain players may get the w that now because there was a pandemic halfway through the season if anything it throws off a lot of teams chemistry and everybody's starting from the same spot again so i i don't understand the asterisk i really think it's due to who could possibly win with it either being the Lakers who have LeBron. So, you know, LeBron's going to get his share of hate. Uh, Whether the Clippers win it and it's like, well, Kawhi, PG, they had time to get healthy and build more. I don't think there should be an asterisk personally. At all. And once again, we we agree because in my opinion, from my perspective, I think it it evens out the, the playing field because right there towards the end of the season, the Clippers were still trying to jail. Like, they never did really get a fully healthy roster. Plus, they added some pieces. So now you got Joe King Noah who can be around the team, understand his role, and then they can sit down and and build on that. And the way they were load managing Kawhi and all of that, like him and Paul George never really got a chance to just click. So now when they resume, like you said, everybody's chemistry is back to one. So 
with the Lakers at the time, they were actually building something. Like that last game against the Clippers, and then they had played Milwaukee, I think, two nights before. Like that to me was, I felt like the turning point. You know what I'm saying? Like you saw a whole different focus. Like they actually focused on defense. And I ain't going to say they, I'm going to say particularly LeBron. Like I saw LeBron make the effort to play defense. So I'm saying that that was perfect going into the playoffs. And not only that, the Pelicans, they were trying to accommodate Zion. So now Zion has been able to, you know what I'm saying, fully, fully get himself back. So he may come back with no minutes restrictions and everything else. So it changes a lot. So it shouldn't be no asterisk at all. Like, let's roll, man. Roll the balls out and let's go. And, I mean, I agree. Like I said, if if I wasn't a Lakers fan and looking at LeBron being somewhere uh, at the Lakers, I see a lot of people saying uh, he only won because the season was short and then they had to go play down in Florida. Everybody's going through the same thing, though. And I know a lot of it does have to do with LeBron being in L.A. He got A.D., they actually winning and in first place and looking like they have a real good shot of winning the title. So if it happens, you know, you have a lot of the Kobe fans who now LeBron had won one in L.A. And then you got just LeBron haters and just, oh, he didn't went somewhere else and built another suit. I mean, there's such a dark cloud over it. But at the same time, everybody is going through the same thing. I don't understand any reason that the asterisk was ever brought up other than the fact that, okay, they're not really finishing the regular season, but everybody who is in contention is going to get their shot at trying to finish it out and make it in. I, I don't think there's any legit eight seed right now who you feel like is, well, you know, they could have snuck in and then ran through the playoffs or whatnot. I, I think everybody is kind of comfortable with who is ahead of the curve. Like you said, with New Orleans, you know, they, they get a big piece in Zion back and they push for chemistry and the AC. And, yeah, they, they can make a run, but at the same time, the stoppage benefits them in that case. I think another big thing is uh, getting players like DeMarcus Cousins. If he's healthy and he joins the team, I mean, they're going to benefit from the fact that the season didn't already end and he might be healthy and be able to help somebody right now. Exactly. And that's why, you know, not to go back to the little Kyrie thing, that's why I feel like I've seen the videos of Kevin Durant working out. And thus far, he looks good. He almost looks like he's back to himself. Quite naturally, you're never going to know until you play a full game, full contact. But just him shooting in the gym and moving, like if KD would have said that he's ready to go, do you really want me to believe that Kyrie Irving would still feel the way that he felt? If Absolutely he, not. And, and that's why I'm saying it's like, come on, man. Like, like, don't be that guy. Like, I understand everything that's going on in this country right now. It is a very important time. This is historic. And you yourself, you have a daughter now. I have kids. So it's like I'm paying attention more to what's going on now because it may not impact me directly at this moment but it's definitely going to impact our children. So yes, this is important. I get it. But it's like, come on, bro. Like, really? Like, I don't don't use it as a crutch or as an excuse when it is a serious matter. And if that's the way you feel, you got to do what you got to do, regardless of what the NBA says. I mean, Cap took a knee, lost his job, and been out of a job for years now because he knew that's what he wanted to do. He knew what the repercussions may be, and he was willing to take that. Now, I'm not saying that Kyrie is feeling the same way or in the same position where he's going to be blackballed from the league or anything, but you do have an option here that they're actually giving you. You can come if you want, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. So why such a gripe about the league starting back up if you don't have to be there and if you're not playing anyway? Exactly. Exactly. But uh, you you said something a few minutes ago, and you used the word super team. And I know it's something that uh, me and you have been needing to clear the air on for a minute now. And now that I got you on here and this microphone is, is standing between us, uh, let's talk about the super teams. Let's talk about the, the roles 
that LeBron has played on those super teams and the the bench players. And I think me and you kind of looked at it from a different lens, especially with that Miami team. And in my opinion, the first year D-Wade was on his A-game. It was solely on LeBron as to why they lost to the Dallas Mavericks. You can't blame nobody else but LeBron. I've always said that. But then as those years went by, I feel like D-Wade's role diminished. Chris Bosh fell into the shadows. And a lot of that success of the Miami Heat came at the hands of LeBron. And I think that's kind of where you uh I don't even know if it's respectfully disagree or just flat out you disagree. Let's 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 talk about it. No, I can agree with that statement that you just made. I can agree with that, that the first year the loss to Dallas was on the shoulders of LeBron. It was. I don't think anyone can really question that or defer that 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 wasn't on his shoulders. After that, I do think that LeBron took it upon himself to take a larger role with the Heat, which the first year he's trying to fit in. He's trying not to do too much. His D-Wade's team, they're all coming together. It's all new. After that, I do think he took a more leadership, more aggressive uh, approach. Now, with the whole D-Wade and Bosh taking steps back, I'm not going to say that they didn't take steps back. We know that D-Wade's knees started going, and he, he couldn't keep up Bosh. Uh, Bosch was a different animal up in Toronto than what he was for Miami. Now he played for Miami and he played well, mostly and didn't, I don't think he got enough credit on that team, uh, that he deserved, but can we question that some of their downfall or some of their, uh, not playing as well as they used to, could that be? because of the role that LeBron took as far as taking over? Or is that not fair to say? You got me scratching my head because I honestly, I don't feel like his role as far as taking over hindered that team, so to speak. Because from my perspective, LeBron and Chalmers used to bump heads a lot. Right. But Chalmers never lost his position as the predominant ball handler. So... As far as Miami's offense, they still ran sets. Yes, it ended up in LeBron's hands and allowed him to get downhill and facilitate or create for the shooters if he didn't have anything. But at the end of the day, I feel like that's where they played as a team more and the players that they had came up short. And that's why I'm saying when people like, he had a super team, and I'm like, I – I, in my opinion, I didn't see a super team. Well, you know, the super team was really only based on the big three. It, it was based on the superstars. I don't think it was based on the whole roster top to bottom or the eight to nine man rotation. I think the term super team is really just based on the star players. When Boston had their super team or their big three, it was really just their big three. And then because I think the name, I mean, you do the same thing in Miami. I think it was the fact that it was Miami that they were known as a super team. But even with that, I know one of the things that we argued was that the role players or the the supporting cast was leaps and bounds better in Boston than in Miami. And that is 100% correct. And you see, and that's, that's why I respectfully disagree. But, I, I don't see them being like, I see it being very even you bring up guys like tony allen and the, the same battier like they do the same thing and that's where we're gonna have to take the gloves off because i'm saying that tony allen was a defensive specialist so you pair him up with kevin garnett who was also a defensive specialist rondo at the time was in his prime he was youthful and he was a, a ball hawk and you bring in all those guys. I think that that year they had like P.J. Brown. They had all of these tough guys, so to speak. Shane Battier for Miami, yeah, he was a, a 3 and D guy, so to speak. But he was almost at the end of his career. Basically, he was at the end of it. So that Boston team, Boston put together a nice run for like five or six years. And I think that's the part that people seem to forget. By the time Miami put that together, Boston had already been together for what, like three years? 
four years? Something along those lines, yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like Boston dominated the East with that group. So you take Miami, yes, you you had the big three, like you said, LeBron, Bosh, Wade. And at that time, they're scrambling trying to fill a roster with league veterans that were hope they were hoping that they accept the veteran minimums and you you're asking for players that have already played their primes and gave everything that they had to other teams and now they're just coming in hoping to bring anything to the table and you you give LeBron the scraps and tell him to go out here and compete with teams who were already put together already had that chemistry in Boston or San Antonio and I'm saying that in my opinion that's apples and oranges. But they they beat Boston. And a lot of people say they beat the old Boston. That's what I'm saying. You're never going to give him the credit. But Boston had them beat. If Boston wins that game six that second year, then Miami is no longer even in that conversation. And Boston was and I up. Agree. And I do agree. But you you say Chain Bettier was at the end of his career when he was playing in 07, 08. P.J. Brown was 38. You got guys in their in their 30s that you are talking about, uh, like big contributors that you know doing this and that, or at the age of 22, where all they doing is really putting in minutes, like Glenn, big uh, big baby Davis. He wasn't he wasn't an X factor on that team. Did he make timely shots at times? Did he hustle? He he had some Rodman moments, but at the same time. You're not gonna sit here and tell me that Big Baby Davis was out there and he he was a big side factor on those teams. Doc Rivers was going nine deep easily. Yeah, there was bodies. And no, no, I'm telling you that if you go back, James Posey, Tony Allen, all of them got Kendrick Perkins, all of them guys was just as pivotal to that that team's success as the big three, as KG Pierce, Rondo, Ray Allen, like. That team was legit, and that's why I'm telling you, even if you move on to Cleveland after he left Miami, you tell him in the middle of a trade, they bring in J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert, and these are supposed to be equivalent pieces to the chemistry that Golden State had built, and they basically had two starting fives. And not only that, so, so that's what I'm saying. Like, do you not – feel that Golden State built their team through the draft and making the right moves as a GM, correct? Absolutely. Uh, there's no there's no way you can disagree there. There's no way you can disagree there. So I'm telling you that in order to build through the draft, what does that mean? You got to have those you got to have draft picks. I'm saying that in order to to build through the draft either I'll I'll give you Boston. I don't mean to keep flipping back and forth, but I'm saying Boston got all of those draft picks through making trades for sending KG and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn and all of that. So they were sitting on on draft picks. Golden State's picks came from they were losing. Right. And I'm saying that from the time LeBron came into the NBA until now, he's never had no losing season to where they were able to build through a draft. So I don't understand how people can't take that into consideration also. I mean, I completely understand that you're not going to get the young talent. But at the same time, just like when he did come back and they were able to make trades in order to get guys or move pieces. Now, once again, they had some type of capital from where they had those early draft picks. But I I don't know why anybody wanted Anthony Bennett for any reason (laughs) whatsoever. But that's neither here nor there. But we've both agreed that in the long run, it may have been better for them to keep Andrew Wiggins and let him play the off role instead of having to try to be the guy like up in Minnesota where it didn't it didn't go bad, but it didn't go well. And having Kevin Love, who stayed hurt, couldn't play defense and everything else, although you did get the title. So it was one of those things where it might have been better to have Wiggins, but that, that's GM stuff, and a lot of it was also around what LeBron wanted. And and that's fair. But I'm saying to you is, okay, he wanted it. They gave it to him. So that's water under the bridge. Now we have to look at whether or not these players contributed. 
And that's why I'm saying to you, yes, on paper, it was Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James. But you know, like I know, when those bright lights came on, Kevin Love was irrelevant. He was a non-factor from my eyes. And that's why I'm saying it's like, now you take out Kevin Love, you solely put it on the hands of Kyrie and LeBron, and you hope and pray that J.R. Smith can hit a big shot here or there, or Shumpert hits a big shot here or there. Richard Jefferson came in and gave them some valuable minutes. But I'm saying it's like, look at the people that we're naming, that we're talking about. And to jump back to Miami real quick, that's why I brought up Birdman and Norris Cole and these guys. Like, that's not a championship caliber roster. And that's where me and you just, I guess we just going to have to agree to disagree. I don't know. I mean, I guess because, I mean, you look at Norris Cole. Norris Cole came in and gave you that defense. He was your Pat. That was your Pat Beverly. Okay. He came in, and, he, and that's who he was. He was your Pat Beverly. You had Shane Battier who came in. And you said, low-key 3 and D guy. He's going to play D. He's going to play position D. He's going to play you tough. And then you leave him open. And he's he's now, he's liable to knock down three if you're leaving. So you got them two. I'm trying to think of who all was on those teams at the time. Mike Miller. Mike Miller. He stayed hurt, had back issues. But what he played, I think he had what, like one good game maybe? He had a spectacular or, uh, game seven. Yeah, like one great game <laughs> where he broke a record or something, didn't he? Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, but I'm had guys who played, I think, bigger roles than what you appreciated due to the way that things went in Miami. Because the thing is, I give Chalmers no credit whatsoever. <laughs> when Chalmers made big shots, at time, and I don't understand that. Like, Chalmers, I I don't understand how he was a starting point guard at the time. And it might be from his Kansas days where it was like he hit that shot in Kansas, and I still never let that go, even though it had nothing to do with my team or anything. <laughs> it was just like, bro, you ain't did nothing. All you, you knocked down and you want to fuck it. Neither here nor there. But... You had Chalmers, you had Norris Cole, uh, and Birdman, he was, he was the anchor in the middle. You had, uh, wasn't Haslam there? Haslam was there. That's why I said I'll give you Haslam. Like, Haslam was a very valuable piece as far as veteran leadership. He definitely gave uh, his production on the boards and stuff like that. So Haslam is legit. But you All also right. got to remember they had uh, Cole Anthony – uh, they went and got Eddie Curry. Eddie Curry was on one of them rosters, and I'm just like, dude, you just plugging parts in just to fill a space. But then they knew that was part of their super. T- they knew that was part of what was going to be done there. But and, and at the beginning, before even having the roster, what did LeBron say? First year at the big uh, introduction of the big three. <laughs> Not only are we going to win one championship, two championships. They knew exactly what they had signed up for. And he was already making it bigger than what it was. And now all of a sudden, but we didn't have no help, so we could only win two. I had to carry the team and put them on. Don't get me wrong. You had guys like, uh, they had, I think, even Rashard Lewis at one point. Uh, yeah. On one of them teams. Uh, James Jones, who LeBron's real cool with and feels like it's one of his best teammates ever. He's a good luck charm, but go ahead. See, and I mean, no, there was guys on the team. Granted, there might have been some age on some. Some might not have had experience, but it was the same in Boston. You had either somebody who was young or somebody who was old and just had the know-how and the skill. Bro, you had Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> On Boston, bruh. Who actually made a name for him? He was the Alex Caruso of the Boston Celtics, though. He was the guy that everybody loved, just played hard, and did his thing. You know what? There was Sam Cassell was on Boston at one point, and I'm pretty sure he was like 49. (laughs) So, yes, you had Tony Allen, who defensive guys go be up in you. He's a stopper. James Posey, the combination of them two is a real good combination, especially with that team, the way they played. They was a hard-nosed team. You can't forget Eddie House either, man. Yeah, and Eddie House. Eddie House knocked down. Eddie House, I feel like he was your Mario Chalmers, man. I'm sorry. 
I said it. I think Andy <laughs> House is, but the thing is, I respect Andy House a lot more than I respect Mario Chong. He just made timely shots, dog. Like, it was, it was like, man, who left him over? Who's guarding him? That was Andy House. It was like, bro, I'm like, we know he ain't about to take you one-on-one, but at the same time, contest the shot, man. Why'd you leave him? And I, and I, and I guess it all, it all boils down to perspective. But I'm going to real quick before I elaborate on that, I'm going to go back to your not one, not two, not three. You're a Kentucky fan. You're a UK fan. We have Big Blue Madness every year. We got fireworks. We got disco lights. We got all of that. They roll out. The- Celebrities, everything. So I'm saying that's that's part of that. It's, it's showmanship. So I don't, I don't see fault with him going out there. They were having an introduction parade. The city was excited. It was a big thing. Did he put his foot in his mouth? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you got to understand that atmosphere at that time. It's like a pep and I, rally. And, and I do. I mean, you, you want to hype everybody up. You want to, you know, start on a, a good foot, hype foot, have everybody excited. I mean, uh, there's money behind it, too, because you want people to buy season tickets. And, you know, you want people to be excited. At the same time, you can't turn around five years later and be like, bruh, I mean, what did they want us to do with the people we had, though? You knew the situation. You knew you, Wade, and Bosch was getting the money. And then you knew with that, now you just got to fill in the pieces. Who do we have that we want to keep? And who can we get for the right price? Just like right now with the Lakers. You knew you was going to have LeBron. You traded all in pieces for AD. And you did it late because, well, the waiting on Kawhi. That's what was late. Waiting to see if you was going to get Kawhi too before again, doing the same thing you was going to have to do in Miami where you just going to have to uh, well, we can fit him in at a mid-level exception. Uh, we can talk this guy into taking a pay cut. We can talk about uh, Caruso might have to be our starting point guard this year. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what they were, because they was waiting on Kawhi. And then when Kawhi didn't come, the Lakers said oh, um Danny Green, what you thinking about doing? You, you, who we need to talk to first? Are you willing? Okay, cool. Uh, we go have Rondo. Okay, now what other pieces can we get to fill in around it? Avery Bradley. Uh, okay, I guess we bring back Kentavious Caldwell Pope. We've been trying to get rid of him for two years, uh, and we just fill in. It's happening to work right now in LA, but they just did the same thing again. You're right. You're right. And it, um, that that's perfect. And it takes me back to what I was getting ready to say in regards to perspective. And after that, we can we can wrap it up because I enjoy the conversation. But I'm saying that when I look at championship teams, I'll start with Chicago. People are like, man, Jordan didn't have any help. Those 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 bench players and this and that were bums. And I'm like, dude, that core of Jordan, Pippen, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, John Paxson, they built that chemistry through all those years of playing together and losing. So they kept all of that intact. So then you had Craig Hodges and all those guys coming off the bench, those same Eddie houses and stuff that we speak of when their numbers were called, you didn't have any questions. They came in and contributed. So the bulls go off in three Pete. They kept that core intact. They built the dynasty. Jordan retires. He comes back. So now, instead of Horace Grant, you got Dennis Rodman. Instead of Bill Cartwright, that's your Luke Longley. You bring in Tony Kukoc. Instead of Paxson, you got Kerr. Randy Brown, I don't care if the names don't stick out, you know, as all-star caliber players. They all played a role, and they played their role to the fullest extent. Fast forward, you're a Laker guy. Kobe, Shaq, Fox. Fisher, Robert Ory, those were meaningful pieces. Go to the second run with Kobe, Pal Gasol, uh, Gasol, Odom, Ron Artest. Every time their numbers were called, did they not do what they were asked to do? Absolutely. And I'm saying, during, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, during the win, because the, the year that uh, the Lakers lost uh, with Pal and everybody, where Pal didn't show up at all, he played soft against Boston where Kevin Garnett pretty much put him in his pocket and just carried him around the whole series. That's fair. That, that, that was where everybody was like, ah, oh, man. And then the year, the last year that they were together, where Bynum decided that he was bigger than the whole team, even though 
I feel like we was kind of off that year anyway, but Bynum felt like he was bigger than the whole team. And I think that was a big part of losing that last year because he's out there trying to take threes and they're telling him, bro, we need you in the post. If I'm open, I'm going to take it. <laughs> bro, that, that's, no, you are 22 years old, and we know they're saying you're one of the best big men in the league and everything, but you're still coming into your own, bro. Get, stay humble. Exactly. And we saw how that worked. But, no, I'm with you, though, as far as when everything is rolling and your role players are doing what's asked of them. They're playing their role. They're coming in, having valuable minutes, like you said, Kerr, Paxson, switch out and everything. Luke Longley down low. All we need you to do is do your job. Keeping that in mind, I've seen games where on those same teams, Michael Jordan has been able to go sit down on the bench, get a breather, without no fear of the team squandering a lead or at least staying in contention so that when Jordan does come back, okay, guys, I got it from here. Thanks for keeping this boat afloat. I've seen Kobe be able to go sit down, or I've seen Kobe have – a bad shooting night, and Odom take over. I saw Ron Artest hit big shots in those finals to help secure the win. Kobe had a bad shooting night. And I'm saying that why can't people on the flip side see that when LeBron goes to sit down, all hell breaks loose. If LeBron has an off game, Cleveland was nowhere near in contention of winning. Miami got blasted off the floor by San Antonio. Patty Mills, Danny Green, and I'm saying that that's with LeBron averaging 28. So where are the other players when it's time to say, hey, okay, step up and do your part? My answer to that is it comes down to two things, coaching and team building, if you ask me. And that's not to say that you're wrong in your assessment because I agree with you. When LeBron goes out, the team usually does falter. But a big part of that is the way the team is constructed to work with LeBron in the game. Same with the Lakers, where when LeBron goes out, you said the same thing. Like, they just don't look like the same team. They not this and that. But the team is literally set up, and everybody always says it, for spacing. Just be ready to catch the ball and shoot when LeBron get it to you. So now you're asking these guys, all right, now I need you to take over because we need to sit LeBron down. Well, that's not what the team's constructed for. That's not what you ask these guys to do 38 minutes out of the game. Now you just want them to flip the switch and say, hey, what are y'all doing out there? Yeah, y'all ain't playing ball. And I understand they're professionals, NBA guys. They should be able to say, okay, well, let's play as if LeBron wasn't on the team and go get it. Or at least, like I said, compete. Like, I'm not saying grow the lead. I'm just saying don't give up our 10-point lead. And when he comes back in a minute and a half later, only be up by two because we had to call a timeout. I understand that completely. You guys are professionals. You guys are NBA players. At the same time, you, you're you not going to have, like you said, J.R., uh, George Hill when he came and wasn't playing well already, uh, Jordan Clarkson, guys like that, and say, we need y'all to run this offense. Well, which one of us ain't going to stand in the corner and run this offense then? <laughs> and that's my thing. It's like, and like I said, again, coaching too. Like, Phil had the Bulls ready. I don't care who's in there. We know how to run these plays and what the sets are. So if Jordan ain't playing and it's just Pippen and Jordan's retired, we're still running our sets the same way. And you know where you're supposed to be at. This side, that side. Triangle offense. Same with Golden State. Go say, no, keep moving. Get the ball here. Keep moving. Somebody's going to get an open shot eventually. Somebody's going to get doubled. And somebody's going to be open. Right. And, and and you're right. I I 100% agree. It does come down to coaching, and it does come down to style of play. And I'm glad you added in their professional athletes because I swear I was just waiting for you to finish, and that's what I was going to say. I'm like, Dad, like we're talking about guys who are playing at the highest possible level. So you're trying to tell me that when one man goes to sit down, everybody just forgets how to play the game that they quote unquote love or grew up playing. And that, to me, is just – that's a hard pill to swallow. And I I completely understand. But – and we're not in practice. We don't know how they go about things. But at some point, you got to say, I, you know, whoever the second team is going against the starters or however they decide to run practice, like, y'all got to go out here and get buckets when we're in practice and he's not on your team. 
So what is your offense doing then where they can't do it in a game against a different opponent to say, all right, now, you know, just like practice, guys. I mean, somebody make a play. You know, we go run it this way because, you know, this is how we play without LeBron. I don't think any coach or any team has ever actually done that. Or, like I said, just the team build where everybody's like, Jay, I was like, hey, bro, I'm just waiting for you to kick it out because I usually get yelled at when I dance a bit and then take his off balance three over here. So <laughs> I don't know what y'all And then Shump's out there just running around in circles because he's waiting to play defense. Deladova's on the floor still from the last time he tried to do who knows what. So, I, like I said, for me, it just goes to team build. And you ask these guys to do one specific thing, just catch and shoot, just be ready. And then when he goes out, it's like, now I need y'all to go back to, you know, playing rec ball or something. Find find some way to be successful, guys. All right, break. Go get it. <laughs> right. And after this, we'll, we'll shut it down because, again, you brought up another name, Della Dova. And I'm saying to you, it's like people are always like, man, LeBron's teams are loaded. They're always loaded. And I'm saying that LeBron is part of the reason why some of these guys become – household names Della Vadova signs with, with Milwaukee and you never heard from him ever again to the point to where he got sent back to Cleveland and I don't even know if he's still on the roster and I'm like I'm gonna say this about Della Vadova he was always a bum <laughs> and I, I it was a pass that's what Della Vadova was Della Vadova was the guy that they knew was gonna get up in Curry's face and if he fouled out, so be it. He was going to frustrate the hell out of Steph. He and was the Australian Pat Bev. That's it. And he gave you big buckets. I I, I don't know how. <laughs> and it's one of those, he's another one of those, and he has, he's like, who left him wide open? I'm like, he's in the league. I understand. But he, bruh, like, well, you know, I helped out or whatnot. Bruh. And he made it, and then he's walking back. Ah, but sit down somewhere, man. Delvadova was was that dude, and that's what I'm saying. I was upset when they let him go. I understand Cleveland wasn't trying to pay him or whatever, but I'm like, he was in the trenches and proved that that stage wasn't too big for him. He played his role well. He was a Pat Bev in the Rodman type, where he is go just be up under you at all times. They call a timeout. He's walking you to the bench until the ref tells him. Bro, you got to go that way. Yeah, all right, man. If you say that. He was a pass, and he played his role well, and it benefited the team because Steph struggled at times against him because he played into him, and they, they let him play sometimes. So that's why I was saying to you when we was having our little Facebook conversations and stuff like that, it's like when I see these memes and stuff, LeBron played with this player and this all-star and that all-star, and I'm like, damn all that. What did they do when they were on the court together? Like, don't give me their resume, what they done in previous years, and that just automatically shows me what kind of player that they were supposed to have been with LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, because you brought up Rashard Lewis. He was a no-show. Yeah. You brought in Darren Williams to Cleveland. He was a no-show. That experiment with trading for – Isaiah Thomas and Crowder and all of them, I blame Kyrie for that meltdown. But it was like yeah. you knew you that wasn't going to work. Yeah, you just had to do something. And you got back the best that you could. You got a 3 and D guy. And you got, you know, one of the hardest playing little guys, you know, great scorers. But, yeah, you knew that wasn't going to work with LeBron, too. So that's what I'm saying. It's like they come from in Boston, like you said a few minutes ago, a coaching environment. They actually had a system the ball keeps moving, everybody's touching it, and they were able to flourish in that system. But then you bring them to Cleveland with Lou, who low-key kind of don't really know what he's doing. Then you bring in LeBron, who we already know is ball-dominant. And like you said, you're just asking guys to just kind of stand around. And I, I'm going to be fair and say that's a whole different switch. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't be accustomed to moving – backdoor screens and stuff like that and playing within the flow of a system to now I'm just kind of standing around and if I catch yes, it late yeah, in the boy. shot clock I'm just supposed to make it and my my question is though we talk about all the time LeBron making everybody around him better why doesn't it work 
with the better players that they bring in or with the players that he requests. Because the one, the, the situation that baffles me the most was, I think it was his last year in Cleveland, where he was talking about, you know, they need more help. They need this. They need that. Which, it's not the more help statement. It's the fact that everybody kind of bought into it. Yeah, there's no way they go contend with Golden State, with the squad they got right now. We saw it last year. We see how things are going right now. Then they make the trades. They make several trades. They, uh, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. Uh, I feel like there was one more guy. But they brought in a couple guys who were known as... Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood, right. They brought in four guys who were known, well, they're younger. They got more energy. They got more bounce to them. They can play the role next to LeBron. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, they, they played with Kobe, so they're used to playing with a superstar. They played out in L.A. Rodney Hood, solid guy. George Hill, solid guy. You know, yeah, they they got the pieces that they need in order to make this run and give Golden State a run. And then when it didn't materialize, all of a sudden it was, how do you expect LeBron to win with these guys? Well, how did it change so fast from, yeah, these guys, these guys they're they going to make a difference to, man, I mean, you handed him crumbs, man. You gave the man crumb. How did it change so fast? Look, first of all, you're not going to come on this podcast and try to throw LeBron under the bus, throw me under the bus, because I am one of them guys that said you gave him crumbs. And that's exactly what it was. Now, don't get me wrong. We had high hopes. You hope to compete with Durant, Curry, Clay, Draymond, and that's all you could do is hope because, again, you're talking about scrap parts. If Kobe couldn't do nothing with Clarkson and those younger guys, what made you think LeBron was going to do something with it at the spur because, of the moment? Because the notion is that LeBron makes everybody around him better. And the thing is, I'm not I'm not saying that I was sold on the fact that these guys coming in, oh, uh, yeah, Golden State's in trouble or, you know, Golden State better, you know, hey, they better start paying attention. That's not the way that I personally felt, but you had people on ESPN and Fox Sports and these guys are coming in and they they made the right moves and this is exactly what LeBron needed. And I'm just like, are we talking about the same people? Like, I don't get me wrong, I think George Hill is solid. I think he's a, a great vet. Uh, Rodney Hood, he actually has been he, he played well at times, but they said there might have been issues as far as motivation for him uh, at some point. Clarkson still needs more work. I don't think Clarkson's bad because uh, I was upset when we traded him. Nance, you know what you're getting out of Nance. He's a high flyer. He's a high energy guy. I think they're all good pieces, decent pieces, however you want to look at it. But it was the fact that they was about to play with LeBron and LeBron wanted help. and They made moves that everybody was like, yes. This is it. And then when it didn't materialize, it was all of a sudden, the crumbs, man. they bombs, man. You can but, throw out some more bombs. But you can't say it didn't materialize because at the end of the day, and this is my argument, that year, Cleveland went into the playoffs as a four seed. And I understand. It, things were supposed to change. From those, and, again, I'm speaking on how everybody got excited when those guys were going there and the trades were being made. And you just look at the roster, like, look at the roster from head to toe. And you got this guy. And then after he comes out of the game, you slide George Hill in there and Rodney Hood with his 3 and D. And everybody – and, again, I understand where they were before the trades. I understand how the season ended. And I just didn't understand the hype turned into, you know, sweeping these guys under the rug because they, they're nothing. It was – it just didn't, like, for me, it was like, I'd rather y'all just say, you know, it just didn't work out. But it turned into, well, he never got no help. And that's not what y'all said when the trades was made. But but here, and after this, like I said, man, we can, we can go in circles. I don't want to hold you up all night. But here's here's the thing, and this is this is my perspective, and you can push back on it if you want. I'm saying that that year, like you said, that was an experiment gone bad with the IT, the Crowder, the D-Wade, Derrick Rose. Just it was too many parts, not enough time to kind of figure it out. Kevin Love was going through the little mental health stuff and all of that. So you start shuffling all these cards. So you go into the playoffs not really knowing 
what you were going to get. They get through Indiana, barely. Toronto had a hell of a year that year. You smacked Toronto. And then the, the answer is, oh, well, Toronto's always been weak. Toronto ain't never been good. And you diminish what that team was able to accomplish. So then you get a young Boston with no Kyrie who had already exceeded expectations. And on paper, a lot of people have picked Boston to win. The only deciding factor was LeBron. So they were able to rally around that and get over that hump. But nobody in their right mind thought Cleveland was even going to compete with Golden State. So then you get that first game, and LeBron gives you 50, basically. He had like 49 before overtime, and it comes down to a boneheaded play, a boneheaded mistake. And they never even came close to matching that same level of intensity. And it's just like, damn, LeBron's got to play every minute of every game just for them to even compete. And that's always been my argument. It's like, damn, like nobody else is even going to give you remotely close to some form of help. But yet you still say that this man is supposed to overcome those odds and win. It just don't make sense. I, I wasn't asking the man because I was one of those people who didn't think Cleveland stood a chance personally, even like I said, with them being in the fourth spot going in and before the trades and everything. I, I didn't think Cleveland had any chance of winning. But my only thing, like I said, my, my stance is just on the, like you said, they possibly overachieved beating Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, getting past Toronto, because Toronto did, did always fold like a line chair when it came to the playoffs, especially playing against LeBron. But that's neither here nor there. They still beat Toronto and made it look easy. But it's like, okay, so they possibly overachieved Yet, the team is still being thrown under the bus because he was playing with a bunch of bums. Well, gee, like I said, they might have overachieved even. And you was excited at one point about these bums that was coming to play with LeBron. And that's my only thing. It's like, don't sit here and talk down about these guys that you was just excited about a month or two ago when they got traded there. Like, well, you know, he didn't have no... But y'all said these were the guys, and y'all was on board. Now that it didn't work, it was uh, it should have never been done. It probably never should have been done. Those trades probably should have never been made. At the same time, you can't sit here, as far as I'm concerned, you can't sit here and be excited and talk up on it until it doesn't work, and then be like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, bro, straight bumps, straight bumps. <laughs> Whatever, oh, man. On, man. Whatever. Give, give credit where credit is due. It just didn't work out, man. They wasn't bummed. The team was what it was. It was. It wasn't that great from the beginning. It didn't get much better after that. But they did make a run and leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Why they gotta be bums, man? Because they are, and we are gonna oh, leave it at that. We are. <laughs> We are going to leave it at that because, like I said, we can go on and on all night because it's like, right. dude, y'all ain't going to never give my guy the furry end of the deal because even that year uh, after this, we done. The Hawks went and got the one of the, the assistants from San Antonio, and the Hawks was like the best team in the East that year. Won like, what, 62, 63 games, and then Cleveland sweeps them. Oh, man, the East is so easy. The East is a cakewalk. And I'm like, damn, like, did they have to win all 82 games before anybody's going to give anybody else that respect? Like, what? Right. The East as a whole was a bunch of bums. Now, they had, like, there was, like, two years in a row where they had, like, four out of the eight teams under 500 in the playoffs. <laughs> it's like, God, oh, man, this is, these are going to be some tough series coming up, I think. I'm just saying, man. Anyways, we'll leave it at that, like you said, man. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Good conversation. It, a pleasure, man. it didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go because I really thought we was gonna have a lot of beeps and 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 blurs and this and that. But I'm I'm glad you kept your head. Yeah, I, I think we I think we got a lot of the silliness of the conversation out of the way and was able to sit down and and just talk as men about it. Right. 
because uh, I'm definitely sending you that invitation and I'm going to leave it at this and drop the mic. We got some unfinished business when it comes to Curry and being a true point guard. Don't think I forgot. Cool. I'm with that. We'll save that. Appreciate you, man. All right. All good. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. No